Thank you so much for joining us for the Summit Podcast. This message was produced with you in mind, and we'd love to hear your story of how God has shown himself faithful in your life. Email us at mystory@summittogether.com. Uh, we're continuing our series on the Sermon on the Mount, and if you're, you're sick of Sermon on the Mount, come back in September, because that's when we'll finish Sermon on the Mount. Uh, but we're getting into this section of Scripture now, and we're calling the next few weeks, When You, because we get to this section of Scripture where Jesus, he shifts the thinking just a little bit, because we've been talking about guardrails. We've been talking about Jesus making statements like, you've heard it said this, but I say this, right? You've heard it said uh, that you shall not murder, but I say don't even have anger in your heart. You've heard it say uh, that you shouldn't commit adultery, but I say don't even look at a woman lustfully, right? So what Jesus was doing was, in effect, he was raising the standard on the way we're supposed to live. And he was changing it from being solely outward focus of what we do and how we behave. Because really, if we're honest, a lot of churches today still work with behavior modification. They're still more interested in how you act than who you are. And what Jesus was trying to communicate to the people that had gathered there was it's not just about how you act, it's about what's going on in your heart. And so he's trying to help them make this shift. And he makes a couple of statements during Matthew chapter five. And he makes a statement, he says, unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you won't go to heaven. And then he goes on to say, and when we saw this at the end of just last week, um, he said, unless you're perfect, just like God is perfect, you won't go to heaven. It's like, well, that's terrifying. But again, he's shifting it from our responsibility as, as far as just acting right and trying to be right to, to saying, God, I'm, I'm going to submit my heart to you and my heart has to be right. And I can't do that on my own. And aren't you thankful for that? That it's not just about behavior modification. It's about us saying, okay, God, I want you to adjust who I am. I'm submitting my heart to you. And that's really where we are in in this passage because Jesus comes back and, and essentially what he's doing is he's comparing the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees to the righteousness that he is looking for in followers, in his followers. And so that's where we're we're gonna be uh, this morning. We're gonna be in Matthew chapter six, verses one through four. So if you've got a Bible, you can turn over there. It's going to be up on the screens as well. But this is what Jesus lays out. He makes these, these statements. When you. Um, and, and the next three weeks, we're going to talk about these three kind of pillars of what Jesus is talking about. Um, because he, he says, when you give and when you pray, and when you fast. And these are important statements because there's an implication that if you are a follower of Jesus, you will be actively involved in these behaviors, in these actions, in these activities. Does that make sense? Um, There's a big difference between if and when, okay? If you are an employer, if you own a company, if you're a manager, you know the difference. If you're a parent, and you've made if or when statements with your children before, you understand the difference between if and when. Because if leaves it open, like, hey, if you, if you want to clean your room, if you clean your room, would you do this for me? Sure. And I know what the answer is going to be. My daughters will not clean their room if there's an option, right? But if I say, hey, when you clean your room, you're going to do this and this and this and this. And this is what my expectation are. Is Does that make sense? It shifts the focus a little bit where it no longer is an option really is expected that this is the behavior that's going to be happening. And, and so Jesus makes these statements and it really isn't even about the action itself. At the end of the day, it comes back to our heart again. 
And so Jesus makes these statements and he's talking about when you give and when you pray and when you fast. And so today we're going to spend just a little bit of time unpacking Matthew 6, 1 through 4 and what that means for us. So let me start in Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. And this is Jesus. Again, this is Jesus talking, Sermon on the Mount, thousands of people around him, not just his followers, his disciples, but, but people who, who were just curious, people who just wanted to see what would happen. And then there were opposition. There were people that were opposed to his ministry that were there as well. Don't you love that? And so all these people were gathered around him. And this is what he says in Matthew 6, 1. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. And really this statement kind of sets up where we'll be for the next couple of weeks. Because what Jesus is cautioning us, cautioning us about is, is he's really talking about our motivation. He's really talking about what is in your heart, what causes you to act the way you do. What is motivating you to act the way you do? Are, are you living a certain way or doing certain things only to gain the, the, the accolades of the people around you? Only so other people will go, good job? Are you motivated by, by, by building the kingdom? Are you motivated by pleasing God? And this is where we're at. He says, beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. Now, let me make this very clear. Um, Jesus didn't say, don't practice righteousness in front of people at all. That's not what he says. But sometimes we draw this line and go, well, we have to be super secretive about everything we do because it's not about getting glory. And you're absolutely right. It's not about getting glory. It's not about pointing people back to ourselves. But Jesus says, if your motivation when you're, when you're performing acts of righteousness, when you're living your life and living it for the glory of God, if your motivation is so people see you and go, man, that Mel Massingale, he's fantastic. What a great guy he is. You're in trouble because your motivation is wrong. Now, he doesn't say don't live righteously in front of people. He says, don't have the motivation that they're going to see you and think how great a guy you are and what a great woman you are. And I can't believe, man, that we're just privileged to know them because they are so good, right? If that's our motivation, we're in trouble. And so Jesus is speaking directly to that. So he's comparing the motivation of the scribes and Pharisees to the motivation of his followers. Because the scribes and Pharisees, they were all about public accolades. They were all about people noticing them. They were all about you know, going in front of people and praying a certain way or acting a certain way or letting people see how holy and pious they were. And when we mo are motivated by that kind of attention, we're in trouble. This is what he says in Matthew 6 too. Thus, and he said, because of what I just said, thus, when you give, again, there's, there's an implication that it's expected that we give. When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. You know, a lot of times um, throughout the year, we've been talking this year about generosity. I want our church to be the most generous church anywhere in our region. I want us to give more money away. I want us to help churches and ministries and families and, and individuals in our community so much that our, our community knows that's who we are. But it begins with us as individuals saying, I, I want to be generous. I want to live generously. And so a lot of times when we talk about generosity, we think of just money. And what I've tried to do this year is expand it and, and help us see, no, 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 it's our time and it's our talent. It's the way we think. Even things like, um, even things like, um, well, I'll just give this example. There, there was a, a person in our church who, who talked to me when we did some work on the front of the room up here. We, we painted the wall brown and we did some stuff. And this person just said, I don't really like the color of the wall, but I'm going to be here and help you paint. 
And I love that. Do you know why? Because they could have said, I don't like the color of the wall. I'm never coming back to that church. But what do they say? They said, I'm not crazy about the color of that wall, but I'm going to do it because I'm going to be generous. Does that make sense? I'm going to lay down my preferences for the preferences of others. I'm going to lay down what I would like to see the betterment of the kingdom. Does that make sense? So there's generosity involved even in that attitude. And so what I've tried to do is help us see that generosity is not just about your checkbook. It's not just about your money. But when it comes to this message, we're talking about giving. We're talking about financial generosity today. Now, um, I'm not going to guilt anybody because let me, let me just say this. The great thing is our church is growing and our church is vibrant and it's an alive. And, and if nothing changes at the end of the year, we're going to finish way in the black for the year. We're going we're gonna to bring in way more than we give. We're going to give away $150,000 this year to ministry outside this church. Piece of cake. It's going to happen. And that's exciting. So my motivation for sharing this message today is not that i got to get a whole bunch of people to give because we're, we've already seen more people saved this year at the summit than we did all of last year. That's pretty cool. We are seeing incredible things happen. And, and if you don't give, it's not hurting us, but it's hurting you. And that's what this message is really all about, is helping us understand what it means to live generously. Um, and again, uh, this series is in line with Scripture. I'm, I'm, so if you are upset with me, you can be upset with Scripture. So when Jesus says, when you give, there's this implication. He's saying, when you give to the needy, and you, well, I give to the needy. If I'm in Pittsburgh and there's a guy on the side of the road, I will pull over and put a quarter in his cup every time, right? Well, true. But in Old Testament, in, 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 uh, when we look at New Testament church, what was going on is uh, the church was a centralized focus for everything. So people would give to the church, and then the church would distribute and take care of needs. The reason that doesn't happen today is because the government has done that. So what we've done is essentially said, hey, the churches will forfeit their responsibility to take care of the needy and take care of the homeless and take care of the poor and take care of the marginalized. We're going to give that to the government, and then we're going to expect them to do something with it. And so what we've done is given them the responsibility that was ours in the first place. And so when Jesus says, when you give to the needy, what he's saying is when you give to the church in order to take care of the needs of the church body and the people around, that's what he's talking about. So he says, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites. Now this word hypocrite, the Greek word here is the same word as the word for actor because they would call the actors in Greek plays hypocrites because what they would do is they would play many roles in the same play. And what they would do is they would have many masks. So for one part, they would wear a certain mask. And then another part, they would wear a different mask. And so what Jesus is doing, he's speaking directly to the people that consider themselves righteous. He's speaking directly to the religious, the, the scribes, the Pharisees. And he's saying they're hypocrites because they say they love God and they, they give, but their motivation is wrong. They say they love God, but their hearts are far from him. So what they're doing is they're playing a part. They're, they're simply wearing a mask. They're saying, hey, if you would be as generous as I am, look what I'm doing. But their heart is all about themselves. It's not generous at all. Does that make sense? And he's saying, they're phonies. It's all about their outward actions. It's not about what's going on in their heart. Because the truth is, our heart drives our actions. And we can fake our actions. Um... For about a year, I worked as a, uh, I was the director of business operations for a minor league baseball team in Fort Worth, Texas. 
And I just fell into this job. I was helping with a church plant in the area, helping start this church, and I needed to get a real job. And so I found this job, and, um, and so my job was to help the team make money as much as possible. And so um, we set up these tryouts, and we were an independent league team, which means that we, we made no money at all. We were on a shoestring budget, and so I really needed to get creative sometimes in how we would raise money. And so we had tryouts, and they were open tryouts. Anybody could come and try out. And what we did was we made the players pay to try out. And it was awesome. <laughs> because some of these guys were totally delusional. I mean, you'd have like, you know, guys like me that hadn't played any sport in like 15 years. Like, yeah, I could still throw baseball. I could throw 72 when I was in high school 20 years ago. And they'd come out there and they'd pony up $150 to try out. And you'd, oh, I'm sorry, you know, it's, it's not going to work out. Um, and... And I wanted to do the tryout for one day. Hey, what, how, how long do you need to see these people, right? It's one day. And the manager of the team, he was a guy, uh, actually he played for the Pirates for a, a couple of years. His name's Curtis Wilkerson. He was the manager of the team. And Curtis said to me, he said, no, 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 no. We gotta have tryouts for two days. And I said, Curtis, it's crazy. We gotta put them up in a hotel. And we gotta feed them. Now, that's gonna cost us money. And he said, but Mel, this is the thing. Anybody can fool you for a day. He said, we bring them back a second day and we're gonna see who they really are. And that has stuck with me for years in so many areas of my life, in so many situations, that people can get lucky and people can trick you for a day. People can white knuckle it and people can try harder and their actions might look good for a day or for a season, but in time, who they really are will come out. Who they really are are gonna betray their actions or it's going to confirm who they are through their actions. Does that make sense? So we can fake it. We can be a hypocrite for a while, but at some point, our heart will show through. At some point, who we really are is going to be revealed. And so what Jesus is saying is, you got to make sure your motivation for giving is right. And I, I said this a few weeks ago. If your motivation to give is simply for a tax credit, that's fine. We are going to use your money, and we're going to reach lots of people with it. But God can't bless you like he could if you would have a kingdom heart and say, you know what, I'm giving because I want to see people come to know Jesus Christ. I'm giving because I want, to see, I want to see us reach as many people as possible. I want to see families restored and put back together. I want to see parents restored or reconciled with their kids who have been far from God. I want to see people who have been praying for loved ones to come to know Jesus, see their family members and their friends come to know Jesus. So I'm going to invest, I'm going to help, I'm going to bless. And Jesus can't bless wrong motivation even when we have right action. But I, I would also ask this question, what would be the motivation for not giving? Because statistically, if, if, and I'm not gonna roll out hard numbers today, statistically, most people who attend our church don't ever give anything. And I'm not trying to drop a hammer, I'm not trying to be angry or, or anything at all, but, but what's your motivation for not giving? Well, what's the heart behind that? You people love this message. <laughs> because God wants to bless us. You know, one of the things I keep being reminded of lately in my prayer time is the goodness of God. That God is so incredibly good that he loves us like crazy. And sometimes we forget about the goodness of God when we look at our circumstances and we look at our bank account. We look at different things and we go, God, are you really good? God, I get, do you really love me? God, can you really take care of me? But I keep being reminded that God is good, that God is faithful. So no matter what we do, at the end of the day, our action is driven by what's in our heart. 
Matthew chapter 6, verse 3 says this. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what the right is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who is in secret will reward you. See, again, Jesus is dealing with our motivation. And the problem with the Pharisees is they wanted it all. They, they, wanted, they wanted the glory that was going to be reserved for God. Okay, because I've said this before, when we're generous, it reveals to the world how good our God is. Right? You don't believe me? Go leave a gigantic tip on your waitress today when you go to lunch. Just give her a $50 tip and see how excited she gets. She's not even going to be a Christian at that, but she's going to be, praise Jesus, right? Like, in that moment, like, she's, she's pumped, okay? Why? Because your generosity is reflecting the love of Christ. And this is what happens when we give with the wrong motivation, especially when we give so that people will see us and know that we're givers. What happens is that glory that's supposed to terminate with the creator terminates with us. It lands on us instead of on God, and God can't get glory. So he just goes, well, that's fine. You want the glory? You're going to get it, but that's all you're going to get. I can't bless you. I had something better for you in store than that, but if that's your motivation, then you can have the glory. That's all right. But that's not how praise is supposed to work. Praise is supposed to terminate on the creator, not on the creation. See, what Jesus was saying essentially was, my followers aren't interested in notoriety. They're interested in building my kingdom. He says, my, my, followers, my followers care more about the whole world knowing who I am than them being famous. They want Jesus to be more famous than they are. That's what motivates a giver. That's what motivates a Christ-like giver. See, in Matthew 5, 16, um, oh, a few months ago, we were, this was still a Sermon on the Mount. Pastor Todd preached a message, and he used this passage. It says, in the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. God never says, hide what you're doing or keep it concealed and super secret. But what he says is, make sure your motivation is right. So when people see your good works, they can glorify God instead of just going, man, that guy's a great guy. Because it's not about that. You know, in Mark chapter 12 and in Luke chapter 21, there's a story where Jesus is at the synagogue. And you're going to be glad that I don't do this. But Jesus was at the synagogue and he was sitting by the offering box as people were putting their offerings in. And I, I don't think Jesus was keeping a tally like, yep, yeah, okay, so much for them. Yeah, they, okay, good job. Hey, good gold star for you. I don't think he was doing that. But he was just sitting there observing people, people watching, and he was seeing people put their money in. And he saw this widow, and she put in two mites. And, and basically, that would have been, in today's, in today's language, 10 or 15 bucks maybe, 10, five, 10 bucks maybe. It would not have been much. Let me do the math. Oh, no. It would have been 2 or $3 is what it would have been in today's standards. So a lady comes by, she drops in two or three dollars, and he goes, hey, disciples, you guys get over here. Do you see that little old lady right there? She just gave more than every fool in here. Every person that came in and dropped a chunk of cash in there, guess what? She gave more. And they go, well, wait a second, what are you talking about? And he said, well, see, these other people that, that were giving, they were, they were given out of their abundance. They were given, and they don't even know the difference. They're just giving, it's like a tip for them that they're just throwing in. But he said, this woman, she gave the last of what she has. She's giving out of her lack, not out of her abundance. That's true faith right there. And he, he praises this woman's giving. Why? Was it because she gave an exorbitant amount? No, but she gave an exorbitant gift. She said, God, I don't have much money, but I'm gonna trust you with what I got because you're worthy. 
And her motivation was right in her giving. It wasn't to get glory. It was so God would be glorified. Around 50 AD, the church in Jerusalem was struggling. Um, there was just there was great financial need for the church in Jerusalem. Jesus um, had risen. He had, so about 50 years had passed. And the church in Jerusalem was, was led um, by, by his brother, James, and, and and there's just this financial need in the church there. And so what Paul, the Apostle Paul did, is he began reaching out to his network of churches that he began planting and starting. And he reached out to them and said, hey, there's a financial need in this church. We need to help. And so basically what he did is he took pledges from churches and said, hey, will, will you help? And, they, and churches would say, yeah, I'm going to help. We're going to help with that need. And they began sending resources so that this church could be, could be strengthened and taken care of. And so what we see is that in Corinthians, in 2 Corinthians, we see the Corinthian church had made a commitment. They said, hey, we're going to help. But at some point they went, no, we're going to stop sending money in. Maybe no one will notice if we stop sending money, right? And so they just stopped supporting. And so Paul in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 writes this letter um, or this portion of a letter to the Corinthian church just to try to help them understand. Because I, and I love Paul because what he does is, is he addresses this with them, but he does it in such a way that he makes it clear, I'm less concerned about the money than I am your heart. Because the fact that you stop sending the money is, you know what, God's going to take care of it. But I'm concerned that, about your heart. There's something going on in your heart that's preventing you from from fulfilling the commitment you made. Does that make sense? And so this is what he says, and I'm not going to read the whole chapter or anything like that. This is just 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 8, and this is from the message, so it looks a little different than it normally does when I read it, but this is what it says. This is Paul writing to the church at Corinth. Now, friends, I want to report on the surprising and generous ways in which God is working in the churches of Macedonia province. Fierce troubles came down on the people of those churches, pushing them to the very limit. The trial exposed their true colors. They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. Did you hear what he just said? They were incredibly happy, though desperately poor. The pressure triggered something totally unexpected, an outpouring of generous gifts. I was there and I saw it for myself. They gave offerings of whatever they could, far more than they could afford, pleading for the privilege of helping out in the poor relief of Christians. I'm going to stop right there. He said, hey, Corinthian church, let me, let me tell you about what God is doing at the Macedonian church. Man, they are, they are giving like crazy. And he wasn't doing this to guilt the Corinthian church. He was doing this to help the Corinthian church. And he said, you know what? They are poor. They are desperately poor, but they are giving anyway. And they're begging to be able to give more. And the Corinthian church was a church that had more money. They had more resources than the Macedonian church. And he said, but their, their wealth didn't limit their generosity. Does that make sense? Not that they were propping up this church, but he said, they don't have any money, but they're giving from what they've got and God is blessing because their motivation and their heart is to bless another church and is to help and to build the kingdom and, and grow the reach of God. Does that make sense? And I love what he says here. He says, they're incredibly happy, though desperately poor. And how does that happen? It happens when the people say, God, I, I want to live generously. No matter what amount I have in my bank account, I want to live generously. I want to glorify you, no, no matter what my balance says. I, I want to point people back to you. And that's what their heart was. Their heart was pure before God. They said, we just want to help. We just want to bless. There's a need. How can we be a part of that? 
And, and I'm speaking from my perspective. There are too many times in my life that I see a need that the first thing I do is go, well, how much do we have? Right? Let's be honest. Well, I would love to help. My heart is right. But no, we can't help. We got to pay for this. We got to take care of that. I'm not saying anyone should neglect their bills at all. I'm not, I'm not saying anyone should go, should hawk their car so that they can do, I'm not saying any of that. What I'm saying is sometimes my heart is not right when it comes to the needs I see because it's more about me than it is God. This is what he goes on to say in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 5. It says, this was totally spontaneous, entirely their own idea, and caught us completely off guard. Listen to this part. What explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. So he says, what explains it is, first of all, their hearts were totally God's. They said, God, I'm not going to hold anything back from you. I am all yours. Period. And then he said, and then they gave themselves to us. So they, they said, God, you have my heart. And then they loved their brothers and sisters in Christ really, really well. They, they shared themselves. There was, if I can say it like this, there was no room left for them because they had given themselves away to God and to others. This is, listen to this though. This next part is incredible. So he said, what explains it was that they had first given themselves unreservedly to God and to us. The other giving simply flowed out of the purposes of God working in their lives. He said what motivated their giving was that God was working in their lives so much that they wanted to give more, that they wanted to be generous. Nobody had to coerce them or beg them or plead them or, or tell them that they needed to give X amount because somebody needed a plane, right? None of that stuff mattered. It was all about, God, we want to give to you because we love you and we love what you're doing and our heart is yours. Now again, I want to say this. This is not about twisting your arm. This is not about coercing you. This is not about tricking you. I want your heart to be right. Scripture tells us that God loves a joyful giver and, and that's not to, <laughs> to manipulate us to put on a smile as we drop it in the offering box. What that is is say, hey, our heart should be excited when we have an opportunity to give or to bless. And if it's not, then just hang on to it. I'm telling you that today. If, if you're sitting here today and you feel like I'm twisting your arm, don't give. Just don't do it. It'll be fine, I promise. But if you're here today and you say, God, I, my heart is yours. I want everything you've got for me. This is not about trading some kind of financial plan that I'm going to give and then God's going to bless me 10 times what I give. That's not what this is about at all. What this is about is saying God wants to use us to build his kingdom and he invites us to be a part of it. Do you want to be a part of it? You know, the scripture I've read the last few weeks is Proverbs 4.23 and this is one that's just stuck with me. It's just been in my heart, but it says, guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. The motivations you have in your heart will determine the course of your life. The motivations you have to give or not give, to be generous or not be generous, it determines the course of your life. See, God doesn't care how much money you have. God cares about how much of you he has. And he wants all of you. He doesn't want to share you. I've said this before, but God, God is ruthless. He doesn't want to share you with anybody else. He wants every single bit of you. 
And the hard part is every single bit of us includes our possessions and includes our finances and includes some of the areas that we have a hard time giving up. So my challenge to you today is this. Ask yourself to let the Holy Spirit just search you. Say, God, what's my motivation? What's going on in my heart? And is it reflected in how I live? Because our heart determines the course of our life. Whether you believe it or not, it's true. Let's pray. God, I love you. And I thank you that you set the tone for us when it comes to generosity. God, you have given everything to us. You are truly, unbelievably generous to us. So Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving us so much that you gave us your son. God, I pray that as we recognize that, God, I pray that we would begin to live a life with an open hand. That, Lord, we would allow you to be Lord, not just of our salvation, but, Lord, be Lord over our whole lives. Lord, we want to give you our whole hearts and hold nothing back. God, I thank you that you don't really even care about our money. Lord, you want our hearts. So, God, I pray today that you would just have our hearts. Lord, let us as a people fall desperately, passionately in love with you. And as we do, God, let our lives, our whole lives, be conformed to your image. Lord, let our whole lives be shaped into you more and more, God. I pray that when the community, when the world sees us, God, they would see an accurate reflection of who you really are in every way, shape, and form. So God, have your way with us right now. With your head bowed and your eyes closed, if you're here today, and you say, Mel, you know what? Um, I don't really have a relationship with Jesus, but I want to. Maybe you've been to church before. Maybe you've never been to church before. But today you say, I know something's not right in my life and I want to give my life to Jesus. I want to have a relationship with him. I want to make him Lord. If that's you, I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you come to the front of the room. I just want to pray with you right where you're at. So if that's you, would you just raise your hand up real high and let me see it and just acknowledge it. I want to pray with you today. Thank you. Thank you over here on my left. Who else? Is that to me? Pray for me, Mel. I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. I want to know him. Yes, ma'am, over here on my right, I see your hand. Awesome. Who else is that to me? I want to make Jesus Lord of my life. Just a few more seconds. Anybody want to join these three? This is, that's me. Okay, I'd like every person in the place just to repeat this really simple prayer after me. Everyone say, dear Jesus, thank you for loving me. Thank you for giving everything so that I can have life today, I turn away from my old life, from sin, and I give my life to you. Use it and shape it for your glory. I commit to follow you for the rest of my life. I love you. Thank you for loving me. In Jesus' name, amen. And now listen, if you raised your hand, you prayed that prayer, you are a new creation, but this is just the first step in the journey. So we want to help you take the next step. And the way you can do that is by filling out that prayer card and seat back in front of you. Uh, take that card out, fill out the side that says salvation or rededication. Just let us know about your decision and we'll help you take the next step in your journey. You can drop those in the offering boxes on your way out of the auditorium today. But can we just celebrate three changed lives because of Jesus? Thank you, Jesus. Now I'm going to ha ask you to bow your head and close your eyes one more time. If you're here today and you say, you know what, Mel, um, I need God's help. Sometimes the motivation of my heart is not right. And this may not even be in relation to money, but you just say, you know what, sometimes 
Sometimes I'm doing things for the wrong motivation and I need help being obedient. I need, my, I need help with my heart sometimes. If that's you, would you just raise your hand if you can be honest about that? Yeah, a whole bunch of us all over the room. Awesome. Well, let me just pray for you. Lord, thank you so much. God, you're not just concerned about the outside and how we act and shaping our behavior, but God, you want our hearts. So God, I pray today that our hearts would be conformed to you, Lord. The people that raise their hand that need help today, I pray that your Holy Spirit would come alongside them and just encourage them, Lord, and speak into their lives, Lord, that still small voice when they need to hear it. And Lord, I pray that, that you would encourage us to take steps, but God, let us be strong enough to take steps and to make changes and to allow you to work in our lives. So God, I pray that we would be a people that would be conformed to your image, that Lord, we wouldn't just say the right thing, but let us be the right thing. Lord, let us not just have the right actions, but let us let it, that those actions be driven by the right heart. So God, I pray that our heart would be pure before you, that our heart would be right before you, and that you would get all of the glory, that we would hold nothing back for ourselves, and we would continually point people back to you because you are what this thing is all about. So God, have your way with us. I pray your blessing on those who raised their hand and said they need help. Lord, let this week, Lord, be a turning point for them. Let them see a difference in their lives because of what you're doing in their lives. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Uh, guys, what happens now is our prayer team is going to be up at the front of this room on either side of the stage. Our worship team is going to lead us in one more song. And if you need prayer of any kind, we're here to pray with you, agree with you about whatever your needs are. If you would like to fill out a prayer card, you can fill one out. Uh, you can email us your prayer needs at prayer at summittogether.com. Let us know about that. And we take all those prayer cards and emails and we pray over those in our staff meeting every week. So if you have a prayer card, you can leave it with one of our staff in the lobby or you can drop it in one of our offering boxes as you leave today. Why don't you stand to your feet all over the room and let's worship together one more time. And I would tell you this every week, but I love you more than you know and I'm so glad that I get to be your pastor. God bless you. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To watch this message on video, go to summittogether.com.